You're listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle of Gary Cottle Ministries. So many times we settle for bed and nighttime when God's turning us up and say, come with me. Let me show you what I've got prepared for you. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And I know we always historically have interpreted that as talking about heaven. And that's fine if you want to. But let me tell you something. It's better than heaven. It is that secret place that you learn to live with God Almighty after the personal of the Holy Spirit lives in your heart. Have you ever settled for something less than you could have had? In today's message, Pastor Gary says that we often settle for the things of this world, but God has so much more. God wants us to trust Him so that He can show us all that is better. His plan for your life is better than anything you could imagine. When you trust God, He is able to mold you into who He wants you to be. Next time you were down, remember there is a God who loves you and wants you to trust His way. Trust in God today. He is waiting for you. Now here's Pastor Gary in the book of Song of Solomon, chapter 5, as he continues his message, Catch Me If You Can. How shall I put it on? I have washed my feet. How shall I defile them? So she's uh, responding with, uh, look, I done got ready for bed. I've done been tucked in. I've done made myself comfortable. Why would I want to get up uh, after? Why don't you come in where I'm at? But I need you to know something. Uh, sometimes the Lord comes to you and stirs you up, not uh, to leave you where you are, but to bring you to where he wants to take you. Amen. This is true for the individual. This is also true for the church. Many times God wants to do more. Many times God wants to do different. But churches clamp it down and say, we've done made our bed. We've done slept in it. We've done made our comfortable uh, situation. Uh, and we prefer comfort and complacency over a real move of God that requires us to move to a place that's different than what we have ever known. And we see verses 4 and 5, not only do we see the stage of complacency and comfort, but watch it progress. Verse 4, my beloved put his hand by the hole of the door and my bowels or my heart was moved for him. So she went from hearing him, but now she's seeing his hand at work. And so he's teasing her. He's, uh, he's not letting it go. And sometimes when God wants to uh, use a church mightily, uh, he'll begin to disturb the soil like we preached about last Sunday. And he'll begin to upset things that we knew sure were right the whole time. But we have uh, since discovered that God is much bigger than any box that we can put him in. Somebody say amen right there. And all of a sudden, uh, God don't just speak to you, but you start seeing evidence of his working in your midst. And it puzzles you. Because you were always taught to believe that God always worked this way, but I've never seen God work that way, and it don't make sense to me. My theological mind cannot comprehend or wrap around the fact that God can be so different than I ever was led to believe or taught to believe or experienced. But God is so much more than any of us could ever tap into, and you need to learn. It don't matter how much you know your Bible. It don't know how, but what don't matter what kind of Bible college you went to. There's more to know of Him. Amen. Job said 
said there was so much of them that at the end of his conversation, he said, these are just parts of his ways. If you look up that word parts, it means just a fringe of his garment. He said, we ain't even barely touched a thread on the hem of his garment. And God wants to do so much more. And so many times we settle for bed and nighttime when God's stirring us up and say, come with me. Let me show you what I've got prepared for you. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. Uh, that where I am, there you may be also. And I know we always uh, historically have interpreted that as talking about heaven. And that's fine if you want to. But let me tell you something. It's better than heaven. It is that secret place that you learn to live with God Almighty. After the person of the Holy Spirit lives in your heart, uh, moves in, uh, all of a sudden you have direct access to the King of kings and Lord of lords. All of a sudden when you were banished from his presence, now he says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace uh, that we may obtain help and mercy in time of need. Aren't you glad uh, to know that he's always calling us closer this morning? Amen. And so we see conviction and change as they see his evident hand at work, even though it puzzles her. I thought I was dreaming, but I can't let it go, maybe she said. And some of you, I'm a little different probably than most of you are used to. But you can't deny what you see God doing. You can't deny that God's working. When God begins to show you himself, it's hard to deny God self-identifies. People who, I've heard of atheists their whole life bump into the presence of God and immediately become converted and saved. Just at the self-revealing presence of God. And God is going to stir you up He's going to show you, he's going to confirm his will, his way, his word. He's going to manifest himself to you and you will go, but you'll have to, you'll have to go beyond complacency and comfort into a place where you begin to respond to the conviction and change that is needed because here she realized that, listen, if I'm going to follow hard after him, I can't stay where I'm at. I'm going to have to get up out of my bed of complacency and comfort and I'm going to have to go to the door where I hear his voice knocking and boy, I'm glad it said it was his voice knocking and not his hand. Because ain't that just like the still small voice of the Holy Spirit of God saying, Amen, to that Holy Ghost field preaching. And that's right. And some of you, the Spirit's about to leap up inside of you. Some of you feel like shouting this morning. That's the good Holy Ghost of God saying, Listen to my voice. Uh, follow the shepherd. Uh, you're hearing it right. Follow me uh, and you'll never thirst again. Follow me uh, and you'll never hunger again. Follow me and I will lead you into green pasture and still water. Follow me uh, and I will prepare a table be- uh, before you in the presence of your enemy amen the bride stage of response she goes from complacency and comfort to conviction and change and then verse six watch Uh, i opened to my beloved and i want to say at this right here at this point in the sermon the chase is now on she said oh i gotta find him now and she goes up and she opens the door because she just heard his voice she brother sean she just saw his hand through the hole of the door, she knew he was right there without any doubt and began to chase him. But then something happens. I want to call this number three, the bewildering setback of pursuit. He withdrew himself. He hid himself. And he went silent. God, I thought I heard your voice. 
I followed you here. Don't look like anything's happening now. You ever been there? I did exactly what the voice told me to do. And when I get here, things fall apart. God plays hide and seek. God begins to veil Himself. What God is looking for is a hungry people. God wants a people that hunger and thirst for righteousness. God wants a people whose hunger and thirst are so mighty that nothing will deter them from their chase for Him. Not silence. Not withdrawal. Not hiding. Lord, I know I heard Your voice. I know You're here somewhere. I'm not going to give up until I find You. Amen. And here she is, bewildered at this setback. She thought uh, if she went, things would just be perfect. But God had to bring her on further still. Sometimes that's, that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does. He'll lead you here. I was given some great advice from my youth pastor when I was just a teenager. You young people listen to me on this. This, is, this will help you throughout life. You go as far as you can see, and then you'll see to go farther. So she went as far as she could see in here. But she knowed one thing, she couldn't go back and find them. My wife and I have been praying recently through trials and storms of our personal life. <laughs> Do with us whatsoever you will, Lord. And here's what we have come to the conclusion of. We have nowhere else to go. Job said, though he slay me, Yet will I trust in Him. But the devil is not going to rob me of my faith and my knowledge and my confidence that I heard from God and I did what God said do. And just because you're obedient to God don't mean He's going to roll out the red carpet for you. Just because you follow the voice of God don't mean everything's just going to be okay, a-okay and hunky-dory. Sometimes the will of God will lead you right into the midst of adversity. Amen. Sometimes the will of God looks different than you ever expected. And we need some Christians who are weathered and who have weathered the storm that will praise Him when they're up and praise them when they're down. Uh, that will show up when they're talked about and show up when they're celebrated. Amen. Uh, that won't yes. quit at the first sign of trouble. But yeah. God give us some Christians uh, that are bound and determined to right. find God in their lives. And yet we have alleged Christians today that fall out over the first hint of turbulence. Discomfort. Confrontation. God will cause all of that in your life if it means that by the time you get through your trial and tribulation, you have no thing left but a determination to keep following Him. Have you ever thought about it this way? We as humans uh, always, we're, we're last resort kind of people. We do the hardest thing last. We do. If you're with me, say amen. We look for the path of least resistance. So when trouble comes, because so we serve God, we try to fix it. We try to make it more comfortable. We try, to, we try our own ideas and say, well, maybe if we'll do it this way. Well, maybe if we'll do it that way. What if God's trying to exhaust every last contingency plan in your heart and spirit 
so that when he finally drains you of all of yourself, he knows he's got 100% of what's left of you. You ever thought about that? Maybe that trial was allowed in your life to burn up the dross, to burn out the impurities so that you quit relying on yourself and your intellect, trusting the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him. He shall direct thy paths. We see that He withdrew, He hid, He was silent. And not only that, but verse 7, look at this. This is, this is going to help somebody if you listen. The watchman that went about the city found me. They smote me. They wounded me. The keepers of the walls took away my veil from me. Her only crime, Brother Sean, was following the voice of God. And yet the very people that were set by God to protect the city and the people that lived in it injured her. Inflicted pain upon her. What are you doing out at this time of night? She was abused, laid open, they ripped her veil off of her, shamed her. And isn't that just what organized religion does to those that dare to step out of the religious box that man created to follow the voice of God? You would sooner be crucified by them than congratulated for following God's voice. And I want to talk not to those that do the crucifying, but to those who are either willing or have already been crucified for, for following God. Oh, that He knoweth the way that you take. That He's acquainted with your grief. He's associated, He's affiliated with your sorrow. We have not an high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings. I love the word feelings. They we're not saved by feelings, but I'm glad that when I'm emotionally distraught, the Lord feels my pain. Yeah. Have you ever had God just sit and weep with you? Hold you in His arms. Love on you say, it'll be okay. We'll get through this night together. I know they hurt you, but they hurt me too. Could that be what Paul referred to when he said that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and what else? The fellowship of His sufferings. What's bewildering to me about this setback is that the bridegroom did not prohibit the wounds of friends nor their uncovering of her. He did not stay around long enough to protect her from what it was going to cost her to follow Him. He needed to know that she loved Him more than everything. Sometimes we get angry with God because He doesn't protect us from the pains that we incur for serving Him. Well, I served God many years ago, preacher, but somebody lied about me and I haven't been in church since. Let me remind you of something, dear friend. And I say this with all the compassion in the world. God did not do that to you. That wasn't Him. That wasn't Him. In fact... What they did to you, they also did to Him. Did not Jesus teach us that whatsoever you do to the least of these, you have done it unto me, brethren? When you're persecuted for righteousness sake, when you're injured by the very, I'm talking about the watchmen, that's even the preachers, the prophets that's supposed to sound the alarm when outside influences come in to wreck the city. They're supposed to be protecting you, but they're the ones injuring you. Aren't we there today, people? So many people get hurt in church and they distance themselves from church, but God's bigger than church. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? God's bigger than church. But even though the church is full of the injured and the people that do the injuring, Jesus has not given up on his church. And you need to know that he fellowships with you in your suffering. He knows the pain that you're going through. And if you'll follow him, he can restore you. He can restore you. He can, he can put you in a place of service where you're there not for people but for him. Amen. And I believe that if we'd die to self and we would decide I'm in church not to impress people, not to earn brownie points with God, not to be noticed or recognized or seen, but I'm here because the Bible says, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Amen. I'm here to be obedient to the Lord when it makes me feel good or when it makes me feel bad because of the way somebody talks about me or runs their, or runs their mouth about me or the way somebody treats me. Listen, uh, I'm telling you, if you'll just be faithful to God, God will be faithful to you. This is what we don't hear from our prosperity preachers today that serving God is often, probably more often than not, difficult and challenging and painful and hurtful. And at times, look at verses 8 and 9. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, here is the bride looking for him in the streets of Jerusalem, can't find him. If you find my beloved, tell you. Uh, that you tell him that I am sick of life. Have you ever been so low that you didn't think you could get a prayer through so you resort to asking other people to pray on your behalf? And I'm talking to somebody this morning that's so low that you can't even talk to God. But you've gone to others and you've said, would you tell him I love him? Would you tell him I need him? I don't know when, where, how, or what. I don't know if I'll ever be back restored where I need to be. But if you can get a prayer through for me, would you let him know this or that? Have you ever been there? He says, oh, daughters of Jerusalem, if you see him, let him know I love him. And I'm seeing someone who is distraught and disillusioned by what just happened. She thought it would be easier than this. She was looking forward to a night of love and instead endured a night of pain and misery and disappointment. And if you look at verse 9, after she talked to the daughters, here's their response. What is thy beloved more than another loved? O thou fairest among women. What is thy beloved? In other words, what's so special about him? When she went to the one she thought would pray for her, instead they responded with criticism. And I'm telling you, when you start following God, you're going to be criticized. Even by the very ones that's supposed to pray for you and supposed to love you and supposed to support you. Amen. I, I got saved when I was 11. I announced my call to preach when I was 18. And boy, I thought everybody would be excited about that young boy getting ready to preach the gospel. I didn't get hardly a congratulation, much less anything else. Amen. You'll learn that people aren't near as interested in that walk with God as what he has put in your heart to be interested in. And you cannot let their lack of enthusiasm rob you of yours. I have decided I'm going to preach anyhow. God put me with one church that wouldn't hardly offer so much as a holy grunt, much less anything else. Yeah. Amen. And you know what God was doing, Brother Sean? Teaching me how to preach without an amen. He wanted me to be so confident in that word that it would swell up inside of me and I couldn't help but let it out like a convention Indian. It doesn't matter who said what, amen? If they didn't like it or whatever, I'd just preach, amen? I preached like it was a thousand people there and every one of them was up to their feet applauding. It didn't matter to me, but it took me a while to get there. 
because I was trained in the organized atmosphere of man-made religion that response is important. I was trained that the louder the amen, the better the preaching. And I had to learn sometimes the best preaching doesn't get an amen at all. But it's what we need. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, we can get so hung up in methodology and style and personality and, and really that's not even where it's all at. God said, if you're going to find me, you're going to, you're not, you're going to, there's not a recipe. There's, there's not a, 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 an atmosphere that you can create mechanically to invoke my presence. It's, it's more than lights, camera, action. It's more than how loud you can preach or what style you preach in. It's more than the kind of style of music that you sing. Uh, he says, they that worship me must worship me in spirit uh, and in truth. Amen. Uh, uh, what I'm looking for is what's true and what's filled with the spirit of God. Amen. Uh, and if it blesses God, uh, I don't care if nobody else likes it. As long as he likes it, I'm uh, running with it. Amen. Because uh, I'm chasing after my God. And I feel like kind of like uh, old Jacob must have felt. Uh, he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Oh, <laughs> bewildered by the setbacks of the pursuit. Didn't expect that. But did not Jesus say to his disciples, You shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? He said, They hated me, they're going to hate you. What kind of baptism did Jesus experience? It was a baptism of death. We were buried with him in uh, baptism, raised with him in newness of life. He was baptized. Of course, he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. We know that. With the day John the Baptist uh, baptized in the water, the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. But I believe what Jesus is referring to here in context is that tribulation, that trial, that baptism of death. He had to be buried before he could be raised again. And that's what we got to do. We got to get past our ideas of God and the facts that we know about him and start getting to know him personally. Just because you can describe someone don't mean you know them. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? So pursuit is pricey. And painful before it is ever given the prize of his presence. Lastly, I want to talk about this. Chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Now, before I go there, I've got to point something out. Verses 10 through 16 of chapter 5, and I, I don't have time to read it all. But when they asked her what is so special about him, she began to brag on him. <laughs> She begins to say, oh, you haven't heard? Let me just tell you. And maybe I should read it. Y'all want me to read it? Say amen. amen. My beloved is wide and ruddy, the chiefest among 10,000. Not only does he not compare to many, he doesn't even compare to few. There's nobody like him. Amen. She began to brag on him and uh, his head is as the most fine gold. His locks are bushy and black as the raven. Uh, amen. Them women always like them dark hair, dark, uh, dark hair guys, don't they? Amen. His eyes are as the eyes of doves by the rivers of water washed with milk and 
fitly said, he begins, she begins to brag on him and describe what she knows about him. His cheeks are as a bed of spices, as sweet flowers, his lips like lilies, uh, dropping sweet-smelling myrrh. Amen. Uh, I believe that she not only knew uh, his kiss, uh, but she was referring to uh, the words that would come off of his lips. Can somebody say amen right there? Verse 14, his hands are as gold rings uh, set with the barrel, his belly as bright ivory overlaid uh, with sapphires. Uh, She's describing a majestic king here. Verse number 15. His legs are as pillars of marble set upon sockets of fine gold. His countenance is as Lebanon, excellent as the cedars. His mouth is most sweet. Yeah, he is altogether lovely. You've been listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle. If you enjoyed today's message, we invite you to subscribe to True North on your favorite podcast app. Be sure to share these with your friends and family, too. This could be a great way to start a conversation about Christ and study the Word together. If you have any questions about what you heard today or would like to request prayer, please get in touch with Pastor Gary by emailing contact at garycoddle.com. That's contact at Gary, C-A-U-D-I-L-L dot com. True North is a ministry of Gary Cottle Ministries. You can find out more by visiting our website, garycoddle.com. Would you like to come worship with Pastor Gary? Simply visit garycoddle.com for more details on where he pastors and how you can plan a visit. If you're not in the area, we still encourage you to find a local church body where you can learn from God's Word and spend time with other believers. It will be a place for you to grow in faith, find support, and serve in ways you are uniquely designed to. With that, our time with you has come to a close today. Join Pastor Gary next time for more right here on True North.